0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my wife, Star Petrie. Hey, everybody. We are so glad that you are joining us for another podcast. Uh, listen, we've got a lot of very important things to talk about. We're going to join in the conversation that is happening everywhere in the United States of America and around the world on the subject of race. And uh, we believe that when it comes to this particular subject, as we're seeing it discussed now, I believe ever ever since the events that happened with uh, George Floyd, I think it's taken center stage. And I think it's something that requires a time, attention and lengthy conversation to really talk about. Because one of the things that I feel like I am witnessing in the process of all of this is more of a breakdown in communication than a, a unifying in communication. I think people are starting to hit and miss in many areas, and we're starting to see this whole issue of racism, systemic racism, quote-unquote, white privilege, et cetera, et cetera, uh, begin to go to places that are just completely off the rails, in my humble opinion, and we're going to talk about those things in this particular podcast. Do you agree with with that analysis of that, or do you see it differently?
1: No, I I totally agree with you. I think, I mean, ultimately, the the conversations have become almost onerous, because we're just not, I mean, what are we talking about? And, and does it add anything? Does it does it move the ball forward? And ultimately, it kind of goes back to something that you and I have discussed, which is this idea that we keep talking in, in this idea of collectives instead of talking as individuals mm. and sitting across from each other as, as just one-on-one having that conversation. What can I do for you and, and what you can do for me and vice versa? You know what I mean? No, so, I do it becomes unproductive in my, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. You're seeing a lot of, um, collective apology attempts or attempts at a collective apology is a better way of saying that, uh, by people uh, who are white. You're seeing, um, uh, attempted, uh, you're seeing attempts at speaking for what black people want by sometimes singular black people. Um, and in a world in which we want to, in so many ways come out of, uh, race and race identification and group identity and move more into treating one another like human beings. And according to, as Dr. King said, the content of character, we seem to be missing the opportunity because we we seem to keep doubling down on our group identity.
1: Well, I'm, I'm most upset that these conversations have started to impact, you know, people's food choices When people (laughs) want to remove and rebrand or retire Aunt Jemima or Mrs. Butterworth, Buttersworth or or Uncle Ben's, I mean, it's okay. All right, you're you're you've gone too far now. (laughs) I think we need to all say collectively. How about that? Let's all say that collectively. You've gone too far. (laughs) Yeah, you
0: you you have definitely gone too far. And uh and before and before it really degenerated down into that, I mean, there was even talks, especially. When it came to the nationwide uh, sentiment that began to grow out of what happened to George Floyd, this kind of almost anti-police movement or sentiment in the nation uh, that still carries over to this very day, uh, they were even... Talking about cartoons like Paw Patrol and 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 dealing with the mm-hmm, uh, the 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 character of Chase, the little dog that's dressed up as a cop. Now, as far as I can remember as a kid, a cop has always been a respected uh, uh, yeah, a role profession. model, of, yeah, of and a role model, a respected profession and a role model in the community, something to look up to, to look forward to, and to trust. Right, and and even though there was knowledge that there are crooked cops in. Policing, it did not do away with the fact that we still kind of venerated the profession. We kind of saw the profession as positive. It's no different than the fact that there are crooked doctors out there killing people. (laughs) But nobody still looks at the doctor as something to, oh, my God, we've got to get rid of all signs and symbols of a doctor. Remove all white coats and all scrubs because we don't want to even look at that anymore. But we see this sentiment growing out of this, and it's mixed into the racial uh, conversation and the race conversation and it's really gone too far. And, um,
1: it's just, it's too much. It, you know, who are these thought police who get to go around telling mm. us how we feel about certain things? Like today yeah. we know that you take offense, um, at the cream of wheat box <laughs> because <laughs> oh you see gosh. that black man and you see that hat on his head and you think that is so reminiscent of slavery. Mm. I don't think that anybody's doing that. But of course, if you have a a, a a large group of people on social media, um, or influential people on social media mm. who, who like to kind of smell blood in the water uh and feel like this is an opportunity to, to completely hijack the narrative. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and to revise the world, um, then this is what happens. And so it's unfortunate that that General Mills would be so just <laughs> preemptive. <surrender, laughs> yeah, absolutely. <boy>. And, <laughs> and say, well, we're just going <laughs> to take everything off the shelves, and rebrand it or retire it. It's, it's unfathomable. Something this is,
0: that has been in families, both white and black for decades.
1: Well, you, you let the market determine that. Yeah. If people don't want it, they won't buy it. But, but you it's know, been on the shelves for generations, so obviously know, people are interested.
0: Yeah, but, you know, that's the thing about the market. You know, people don't like markets because markets don't do what they think people ought to do. <laughs> you know, and that's just the thing. They can't control it because the market's not going to necessarily make that particular call because the market's not going to get on some type of race tangent.
1: But this is the danger of allowing people, allowing things like this to grow in such a way that they can now you know, shame people, shame products, shame, you know, whatever, um, oh, and, yeah. and make it make it completely obsolete, make it make it completely unfruitful for anyone. Because, again, we tag it with this idea that it's that it's racist or it tries to to remind us of America's shameful past. I just, uh, you know, enough people, I, and and oh, if yeah. people don't start to stand up and and, and raise up some level of standard. Against this mess, and what 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 else hmm. I mean honestly, what else everything, everything now is up for grabs, every brand is up for grabs
0: every and and everything because what you find is this this kind of uh use of white guilt right, to, to guilt white people or to guilt companies over race into capitulating to certain things is done ad hoc, right? It's kind of just done whenever people feel like it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that kind of jumped off at me was a story that was covered in The Blaze, uh, and it was I believe it was June the 18th. It was, was an article written where they, at the University of Florida, they were going to ban the gator cheer, the gator bait cheer at the University of Florida, the Florida Gators. Right. And it's a cheer that they have in the swamp. The football team, it's a big thing. It's 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 been a part of the school for now. Gosh, I believe it was created in 1995. Um, And it's so it's been it's been with the, the school now for going on 25, almost, you know, knocking on 30 years. And so this is something that's been around. And what is very ironic about it is that it was a black athlete who actually started it. Because it was a phrase he, he quoted after I think they beat Florida State in 95. And he says that if you're not with the gators, you're gator bait. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gator bait, baby. And that was one of his quotes. And so the, his quote began then turned into this galvanizing cheer for the Florida gators. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now this is a black man. And the reason they're saying they're wanting to ban it is because it, it harkens back to a time they, they're saying it's racist because it harkens back to a time when it has been said in history where black babies, you know, called pickaninnies, were used as gator bait. Right now, in the in the grand scheme of people gathering in the swamp on a Saturday evening, cheering for the Florida Gators, right, F- affiliated with the school going to the school the education they're looking at the kids on the field the the, the the gator on the side of their helmets this is their mascot on the sidelines and they're saying and now now granted if you if you go to a school that's called the bulldogs you, you're liable to have a cheer that talks about the other team being dog food right <laughs> if you if you if you go to if you go to any school with a mascot of a particular animal or whatever, there's going to be something that arises along that lines. But I'm saying all that to say that the people that have gathered in the swamp for the last 25 years, I doubt very seriously that anybody, both black and white has walked into the swamp, it participated in that cheer and thought anything about racism.
1: Right.
0: And given the fact that an actual, the young man who who started it, the black man his he's outraged about it. He's like, you know, and it, it had nothing to do with it. This is something that's a tradition. And he's saying, you know, we put our blood, sweat and tears on the field to make the Florida Gators program what it was. Right. So he's like, you know, why why are we doing this? But once again, it shows you the power of racism, the accusation of racism Mm -hmm. to guilt entire universities, industries, corporations and what have you to capitulate to the. Yes, I'm going to say the absolute dumbest things that I have ever heard in my life to to infer race into things that people never even think about. Right. And then walk around claiming you're an enlightened one because you enlightened everybody to the fact that something was racist, that for decades people never even thought about being racist, right? But, but you want a post-racial society. You want a society that moves beyond race, But but you're going to take the cheer at their football game and make it racist. (laughs) I I just don't I don't understand the and I don't understand the capitulation of the university to to uh, to dignify such a thing because it's 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 truly putting race in places that race is not. And I don't see how you arrive at a place of being unified, reconciled, moving beyond race, getting race out of our culture like we say we want when you're constantly inferring it and putting it in places that it really does not exist.
1: So, one of the things I think we need to do is I, I want to read this quote out of out of Shelby Still's book. And uh, it's called The Content of Our Character um, mm. A New Vision of Race in America. And Shelby Still, you know, breaks it down very eloquently Love, about, about what really is afoot here. And, and it's just like you said, you know, we're, we're plugging race in everywhere because race is you know a very uh present help in a time, time of, of need. need yes it is and it, and it <laughs> and it can do things that simple truths won't do right it's like a magic and bullet it, it is a magic bullet and so why are why are we using race in this way obviously it's profitable to us elsewise it wouldn't be an issue it wouldn't be it, it would not provide the level of of uh absolution hmm. of all things yeah. Um, in the way that it's doing for so many. So I wanna read this and then we're gonna go into a few videos. I think the real trouble between the races in America is that the races are not just races, but competing power groups. Hmm. A fact that is easily minimized, perhaps because it's not so obvious. What is not so obvious is that this is this is true quite apart from the issue of class. Even the well-situated middle class or wealthy black is never completely immune to that peculiar contest of power that his skin color subjects him to. Race is a separate reality in American society, an entity that carries its own potential for power, a mark of fate that class can soften considerably but not eradicate. Mm. The distinction of race has always been used in American life to sanction each race's pursuit of power in relation to the other. The allure of race as a human delineation is the very shallowness of the delineation it makes. Onto this shallowness, mere skin and hair, men can project a false depth, Mm. a system of dismal attributions, a series of malevolent or ignoble stereotypes that skin and hair lack the substance to contradict. These dark projections then rationalize the pursuit of power. Your difference from me makes you bad, and your badness justifies even demands my pursuit of power over you, the oldest formula for aggression known to man. Whenever much importance is given to race, power is the primary motive. Man. Whenever <laughs> much importance is given to race. Yeah. Power is the primary motive. So, you know, we were talking about we were talking about this conversation in reference to um these YouTube videos um, that I've been seeing. And there's been a lot of snafus and there's been a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of white people wanting to sit down with black voices and, and say, what must I do then to be saved?
0: My gosh. Okay.
1: How do I figure out how do I get this, this streak of race, racial bias, out of me that I don't even know where it is so if you can help me locate it first help me locate it and then help me eradicate it right there's there's yeah. there's two steps to it so we're gonna play this first video and it's Matthew McConaughey and he's having an uncomfortable conversation with a black man
0: he's a, with Emmanuel Acho right yeah yeah
1: and so we're gonna play this and then we'll come back
2: <laughs> the definition of equality what equality is and what is equality not it's been an American issue forever, and we continue to work and grow and evolve and debate what the definition of equality should be. Is there unilateral equality? There's diverse equality. It's, it's, it's a topic that I don't know that we can answer right now, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it.
3: I do not think that there is such a thing as equality in America. The wake of slavery is still hitting African-Americans. When you get on a boat, yeah. whether you're in Lake Austin here 10 minutes from here or anywhere in the ocean, if you get on a boat, there is a wake that follows the boat. And although you might not still be driving the boat, mm-hmm. there are African-Americans getting smacked by the wake left of slavery. Well, Acho, what is that wake? And that's what we talked about. Systemic injustice, poor school systems, uh, voter suppression. There's a wake. And so that's why things aren't equal. Only because they're still a wake from slavery. Don't feel heard. guilty. Just acknowledge. Heard.
2: Heard. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I heard this term the other day. And I'd never heard it before. And I went, what? And talked to this person. And he explained it to me white allergies. White White allergies that that by where we were raised and how we were raised in our history uh, growing up, <laughs> there are certain just imported, obvious ways that we're prejudiced in ways that that, uh, that, that we don't even understand. We got white allergies yeah. and may not even know it. And so, I was sitting there, you know, looking at my own life and I sit there and I go, all right, that's me. Mm-hmm. Longview High School was over 50% black I applied to grambling I was the first white to ever work at catfish station and all blues black blues bar on 6th street I am married to a non-white immigrant I have black friends all through my life and still do mm-hmm. but what prejudices may I have via white allergies that I may not even be aware of have let me ask you this actually since you brought it
3: up before I respond Has this situation in our world or my video brought out any white allergies that you never saw? Did you have any white allergies that were in your blind spots?
2: It exposed ways of looking at things in a way that, oh, maybe I didn't see the other side of the coin. As I started off with some of the context you put things in, even very simple things that are like obvious math of, yes, Whites and blacks can all have it hard, but blacks, whites have never had it harder because of the color of their skin. Yeah, that's an obvious thing. Yeah. Now. So
1: <laughs> I, you know, I just it's very interesting. We've talked about this. You know, some of these videos start coming across as hostage videos. Right. That, that people are literally. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, yeah. dear, dear black man, no, I hear you, babe. I hear you. black man, full of full of wisdom and an understanding of the human condition. Please explain to me, lowly white person that I am, where I might be missing it. Because obviously you, black man, have understood it all. And what your ancestors have gone through certainly provides for you a certain amount of, of, of power, right? Mm-hmm. And and complete absolution of any any wrongdoing on your part. Yeah. So let's just focus on me, because that's why we're here. Let's just focus on me. And I feel like wh- why are we acting as though we're having a real conversation? What we really need to do is, is, you know, put those little that that divider between them and like make him the priest, make Acho the priest. And McConaughey <laughs> is there to do his <laughs> confession. Wow. Because that's what it feels like. Wow. Right?
0: wow. Wow. Bless
1: me, Father, for I have sinned.
0: Well, it, it goes back to <laughs> it goes back to I hear you, babe. I hear you. It goes back to what you just read on a Shelby still where there is a great emphasis placed upon race power is usually uh, the pursuit or power is usually the, the real issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, it's the moral authority that the history of racism, slavery, Jim Crow, et cetera, et cetera, in this country gives to a black person who in a moment, like what we just witnessed uh, on, on the back of something grievous, and something that turned the stomachs of all Americans, which was to see George Floyd die. It is a, a heinous and ugly thing to watch. But in it happening, it hands to people who are black a sense of moral authority now. Sure. To now march white people into the court room, right? Or mm-hmm. into, as your analogy says, into the confessional to now now have to spill the guts. Now these could be people who in their lives is no different than Matthew McConaughey listing his history there. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you, when you, when you go to Longview high school and you apply to Grambling,
1: he applied to Grambling, you ain't
0: got much of a problem with black people. You can't <laughs> because you're about to, it's like, it's like a fish having a problem with water. If you go into Grambling, <laughs> if you're going to Grambling as a white man, especially in the time when he was probably applying, um, it is predominantly black, it's a predominantly black college. So he doesn't really have an issue and he's asking for things that evidently by the fact that he would state his history and present. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man and, and Matthew McConaughey has a person who is he's somewhat known for this. Right. He's not. I mean, from his his uh, interactions with the Texas Longhorn football team with Vince Young and all these other players. And probably, as he said, has tons of uh, black friends throughout his life, not just one. Right. <laughs> and then he's married to an immigrant who is not white. And, and so he's raising mixed children as well, because I believe he has children with her. Okay. And so here is a father who's raising um, multicultural, uh, biracial children. Here's a man who has displayed he really doesn't have any issue with race in his life as far as inferring upon it more value than it needs to have. And so in him saying all of that is proof positive that in his own mind and heart, he can't seem to lay a finger. Can't find it. He can't find it in himself to what he needs, but he's willing to be humble and submit himself to this moral authority now in this moment of grief nationally, in this moment of where we're dealing with the pain of an innocent man dying uh, in in police custody. And we're dealing with uh, 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 something that, like I said, it turned everyone's stomach to see it. Nobody disagreed with what they saw. But it's in this moment now that we have to be careful that we don't go off the rails Hmm. in being willing to apologize for things that we're not guilty of. Right. because it does nothing to move forward the ball on racial reconciliation
1: or to ask someone like Mr. Acho who who obviously has done very well for himself yeah. um you know what impediments did you experience what about your life what yeah. a, what about what about your experiences here in these United States of America make you believe that the United States as a as a whole is racist yeah. or systemically racist?
0: Yeah, and 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 I, I take issue and I push back on something he used in his analogy with the boat in the wake. I push back on this idea of poor schools and so forth and so on. What we're seeing in our inner cities and what we're seeing in our, our young black children and their performances in schools and their and their socialization or lack thereof. Right. Right. I push back on this being a history or or, or being the the byproduct of slavery. Because when I look back in the history of blacks, I see some of the most amazing accomplishments, both educationally or academically and socially sure. closer to slavery
1: in, in the face of
0: in the face of enshrined oh, in law absolutely. discrimination. Right. Not only that, but economic gains, the likes of which have not been repeated yet in mass in in black people. So what we're seeing happen To us in black America today is a modern phenomenon that is inconsistent and incongruent with our past, both in our social behavior and our educational attainments and the way we've moved up economically. Black people were not just sitting still being sheared like sheep during that whole time. Black people were making moves. Black people had real estate holdings. Black people were dominating certain industries like in contracting. Black people, black people were moving forward in all these economic indicators and they were staying together as families. And you had these, these storied institutions like Oberlin College and Dunbar High School where they were turning out kids who were outscoring other white schools and not having any behavioral problems. So I push back on this idea that, that that we're being smashed in the wake of systemic racism and slavery. No, what we're seeing today is a modern-day phenomenon that has nothing to do with the his, history of slavery or Jim Crow. It is in our times, and it's the product of more or less the welfare state and the philosophy that is pushed in order to have a welfare state in a nation. Sure. And so at the end of the day, I push back on that because, once again, <laughs> every time— we see this this phenomenon, right? Or this this leverage used in the public conversation from a black person to a white person. It is always going back to slavery. It is always going back to Jim Crow. It is always going back to these different things. And when he brings up the issue, and I want to I want to bounce this off of you because this is one of the things where it kind of gets into my get it starts to, you know, scratch me a little bit <laughs> because they start talking about equality, right? And he says there is no equality in the world. I will agree with that statement because there is no equality in the world. There is no equality in us. Hmm. I am not even equal to myself from one day to the next. Neither is anyone listening to me on this podcast. There are days you're on your A game. There are days you're not. There are subjects you're great at. Then there are subjects, subjects that you stink at. There are things that you excel in doing. And then there are things that you struggle to get off first base in. Because there is no equity in us or among us. Now, that is even written larger among people groups. Right. There are things that people groups are excellent at. And then there are things that they're not. There are things that traditionally they have been good at over time. The Germans, there's a reason why every, every great piano you've ever played on has a German name agricultural engineering, the Germans, textiles, the Italians, the Chinese gave us in technology, and then they also gave us paper and printing. There there have always been black people when it comes to music and arts and even sports. These things are not not secrets. (laughs) These are things that are empirically played out in front of us on a daily basis and have been shown throughout history, right? And so there is no equality among us, but when you speak of equality, right, knowing that there is no equality among us, especially in terms of interest level performance and productivity in certain areas, then the only equality you can be talking about is producing an equality in outcomes, right?
1: It's impossible,
0: which, which it is impossible, but that's the only thing you could be thinking about. You can't be thinking about equality in terms of productivity or interest. We don't even have the same interest desires, (laughs) Right. So the only thing you're thinking about in terms of equality is an outcome. You you need things to all end at the finish line the same way. Blacks 12 whites 12. Well, it's not going to happen. You can't. It, it will never happen that way. That that thing will never, ever happen. When are we going to admit that disparities amongst people and amongst groups is the norm? It is not the exception. <laughs> It is the norm but in throughout America, time in eternity. America
1: there's so much wealth. I mean in America there's so much I don't there's care. so much wealth and so <laughs> so there needs to be a redistribution of that wealth. I mean Jeff Bezos doesn't need all those billions. Okay. Okay. His ex-wife doesn't need all those billions.
0: Okay. Well all right. You're going to redistribute the wealth. Okay? Are you going to along with the wealth you redistribute redistribute the ability, skill, interest to create the wealth?
1: Mind sharing. Is that what you're saying? We're going to have mind sharing. Yeah.
0: Now? So 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 can the can the mindset, the skill level, the interest, the talent, if you're going to redistribute wealth that's been created by a technological wizard, are you going to redistribute his wizardry? You cannot. Right. It's kind of like people act as though the pie just kind of magically showed up like manna from heaven, like it just failed. Boom. This is how America was made rich. No, it was the contributions of human beings who are blessed for whatever reason or another with the abilities to create the wealth.
1: And then we can't forget that that sometimes people's success comes just out of their own their want to just continue. I mean, a lot of people no don't aren't successful simply because they stop. Yes. Not because they lack talent or lack ability or, or lack anything. Sorry, endurance it's is just not equal. But the, <laughs> but, right. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like the opportunity, though, availed itself. But yes. you just chose to quit earlier. And that's, that's on you. I
0: mean, babe, I had, it, I had equal opportunity to go to the NBA just like LeBron James, just like Michael Jordan, just like Steph Curry or anybody else, or any other great. What did I lack? I lacked the God-given ability, height, determination, and want to, to do it, right? When I looked at the ball, I didn't lose sleep over it. Okay, like they did. I didn't have the height, the ability the skill like they did. If you line me up in a race with Usain Bolt, 10 times, right, in the 100 meters, And you say, okay, you got beat all 10 times. I don't like that. I think that's unfair. We need equality.
1: Everybody gets a trophy.
0: We need equality in that because it's not fair that he keeps winning and he won all 10 times. Now, you're going to have to do, there's something you're going to have to do. You're going to have to either give me a massive advantage, (laughs) which is an injustice. Right? Because Usain cannot be blamed for his blessed body. (laughs) All right? You're going to have to give me a massive advantage, or you're going to have to put him at a massive disadvantage by incurring something against him that handicaps him in some way. You're going to have to tie a leg up or something. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? In order to get the outcomes you so desire. And that's why I always push back when people start talking about equality because you can only be talking about equality of outcomes. And the only way to produce that in a society of moving parts and complexity is to start reducing people's freedom across the spectrum. Or in other words, you're about to be completely unjust to a whole lot of people in order to make up this idea of social justice you have in your head.
1: But, you know, outcomes has to be the the focus because opportunities are everywhere. They're everywhere. (laughs) They abound. They abound. So we certainly can't say that America is short on opportunities. That would be a lie. I mean, people are on YouTube. I mean, what's that little Ryan kid that are, that Maya watches? Oh that yeah. dude is worth millions of dollars, and he and he's seven. He's just out playing. <laughs> um, so you know, there's there's opportunities for anybody who who wants to go out there and, and put the effort in and the time in to get down the road to whatever their goal happens to be. Absolutely. Um. But you know, kind of just retreading back to to Matthew McConaughey. You know, one of the the issues that I that I really have as i said before was the these conversations are supposedly um being had so that so that we can talk about uncomfortable things but the only thing i see is 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 like i said white people putting forth questions very gingerly matter of fact you know i don't understand very un- i really it's uncomfortable. need i really need some <laughs> some clarity it's uncomfortable for the watchers <laughs> could you could you help me with this and i'm thinking oh my gosh just ask the question um but but yeah are those conversations are those conversations there as a as a means to model what needs to to happen or are those conversations by and large An opportunity to reinforce what I think has become the entire Black Lives Matter, you know, defund police movement.
0: It's a power play. Which is absolutely. Let's just cut to the chase.
1: Which is this opportunity for us to grandstand and and let you know that, no, I don't like that. No, I think think you can do better than that. In fact, I I don't even like the question. I think that question is racist. And the way that you've crossed your legs today, little racist. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we're you get into so many things. That, I mean, it never ends. It will never end. Yeah, you can kind of
0: arbitrarily infer racism wherever you wherever want. Wherever you just, want. It, it, and it goes back to it, it, it really is like you said it was when uh, just a few minutes ago. It's a very present help in the time of need. It becomes this thing that it reminds me of that, you know, that little Sunday school uh, joke where little Johnny is asked, what is a lie? And he says, it's an abomination to God and a very present help in the time of need. And that's really Kind of what race has become in this country, and that's and that's one of the reasons why it is having so much of a of a of a lifespan, right? So,
1: so, so yeah, th- that that's absolutely correct. But but the other thing is, okay how how do we how do we get past this? How how do we deal with this racism issue in America? And one of the things that you would think is that obviously the church, the pillar and, and ground of the truth would be able to step in and say, "Okay, guys, let's 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 I'm going to shed some light literally on this situation and I'm going to I'm going to help you. Yeah. okay. But now what happens if pastors and leaders in the church start doing a lot of talking and they're 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 getting all twisted inside and out with their words and things are not clear and we're having to give apologies. I mean, then then what happens? Who is there? Is there anyone (laughs) who who can step up and clear their throat and speak very clearly and succinctly about the race issue? And I think it does have to be someone of the white race. I think I think it it, I think it's going to take someone from the white race to say, "Okay, everybody good now. Y'all had enough apologies. We've Mm. done enough kneeling. We've we've washed enough feet. (laughs) We've asked for enough forgiveness. And now we're going to say, let's get on with it. Hmm. right well let's, i mean let's come on to 2020 and get on with it,
0: it on its face it, it it looks like perhaps you may be right but i don't know i i, I honestly and you have to help me with this because i honestly am somewhat pessimistic in terms of <clears throat> i don't seem to see the moral courage present in our society to truly deal with things like this hmm. i think people uh people have uh We've become so accommodating and we've become so uh, we've become so interested in ourselves. And and that's the thing. We, we really are lovers of self. And we've 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 gotten to the point to where we are more or less concerned about our own self discovery, our own self actualization. And in the process of doing so, we're no longer living our lives beholden to an objective truth. The church should be able to speak to these things because the church has a truth that transcends
1: us. Absolutely.
0: Right? It's not even about us. It's not even about what I feel. It's not about what I think. It's not about what, what, what's going on inside of me. The truth that I live by is much bigger than me, much greater than me. It is the umpire, right? It should be the umpire in the entire discussion. Mm-hmm. but it seems as though we've kind of moved off of that premise and truth is no longer that anymore now we have our truth and now we are we're we're very much truth is very relative and when you introduce this relativity into the discussion around race or, or any other subject matter you're always going to be talking around the answer You're never going to get to the truth. You're going to be ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You're going to be you're going to always have a form of godliness, but denying the power that creates transformation and change. Mm -hmm. You see, and so we never get anywhere
1: because it because it is it is it is the story of Jesus and that woman caught in adultery and all those people getting ready to stone. Yeah. And him having to say. If you are without sin, yeah, then go ahead. then by all means, go you, ahead and you first. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And and that and this is the very same conversation that we're having today, right? Mm. This idea that, I mean, who hasn't who who hasn't thought, well, I don't like that race of people, or I don't appreciate the way that they, or they think they're so arrogant, so much better than everybody else, or, or just whatever we've whatever we've said. From whatever place of fear, whatever place of insecurity, whatever, because it's in all of us, oh, yeah. that insecurity is in all of absolutely. us absolutely, and it bleeds out in a myriad of ways, but it but the reality is it's a human condition, yes it's, it is. it's the brokenness of humanity, and it has nothing to do with. You know, really, the the color of your skin that that just happens to be a an easy it's low hanging fruit. It's an easy thing for me to to grab. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a broken person. So I you know I want to play this. This is from Passion City and and and, and Pastor Lou Giglio um, had LaCrae on and had uh, the CEO of of Chick Fil A, Dan Cathy on, and he got into a little bit of trouble um, with something that he said.
4: Yeah, uh, you know Lecrae, it's interesting because I feel like on the inside of the church we're fighting this historical context you talk about. In other words, we love the blessing of the cross, but we don't we don't love to sit in it mm. and realize this is what God's asking me to do, to die to myself and to live for him, whatever context that's gonna look like for me. But I wanna flip that upside down because I think the other side of it is true with our nation's history. We miss, we understand the curse that was slavery, Mm -hmm. white people do, and we say that was bad. But we miss the blessing of slavery that it actually built up the framework for the world that white people live in yes. and lived in. And so a lot of people call this white privilege. And when you say those two words, it just is like a fuse goes off for a lot of white people because they don't want somebody telling them to check their privilege. And so I know that you and I both have struggled in these days with, hey, yeah. if the phrase is the trip up, let's get over the phrase and let's get down to the heart. Sure. Let's get down to what then do you want to call it? And I think maybe a great thing for me is to call it white blessing that i'm living in the blessing of the curse that happened
1: so is that what you meant to say
4: uh no i don't don't, you know i have a hard
0: time you know you've approached me with this already before this this uh podcast and i've told you before i have a hard time understanding what he was actually trying to uh, and i and i'm i don't want to sit here in judgment over a man's heart, motives, and intentions. And given the fact that he uh, he wanted to have that meeting and sit in that space and talk about race, I have to believe from those actions that he has got his bullseye set on center mass of the issue of race and racism or white privilege or whatever, and, and really aiming at trying to, to really uh, say something meaningful, uh, say something unifying, say something that that is redemptive, and he ended up missing the shot, you know. And it's like I, I don't, I kind of don't know what happened there because the terminology just doesn't fit at all. And what? it's kind of, it's just kind of a real weird. Uh, I don't know if I, could, if I'd have been sitting there, <laughs> what I would have been able to respond to that. Howard would have been able to resp- respond to that, to be quite honest, because I didn't quite understand. What went off the rails for him there?
1: I, you know, again, <laughs> my my biggest issue is when it, in particular, to the church, to to the church. The only thing that I can offer people for 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 human brokenness is Jesus. Hmm. I don't have any other salve. I for get you.
0: you. There we go.
1: I, yeah. I don't have yeah, anything yeah. else that I can approach you with. Yeah, and so I, it doesn't matter what I call it. I can call it white privilege. I can call it. Uh, black privilege—I can call you know—none of that matters. At the end of the day, if there is an insecurity on my part that tempts me to try to leverage my color, my class, my gender over someone else, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. But that is a that is a human condition, a soul condition that can only be fixed by Jesus Christ. And so as 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 being someone in the church, I'm always just befuddled that we uh, you're
0: befuddled. I am. Wow.
1: <laughs> I'm befuddled that we would that we would think that we can offer people all of this prose on race and what it what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black. When I was supposed to die to all of that, when I accepted Christ in the first place, mm. So, oh. so, I don't understand why I get into these conversations and want to pick that up again, yeah, because I thought all that stuff was I thought all that stuff was counted as dung, it's all a loss for me
0: yeah you i no i I'm in absolute and total agreement, and i and I guess what I'm saying is is that maybe maybe that is why I have a hard time with it because it attempts to sometimes as preachers preachers have a lot more faith in their words than they do the word. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in the process of communicating, they can, they can move over into this idea of being loquacious and being the speaker in the moment to say something that is enlightening, redeeming and so forth and so on. When really the word is redeeming, the word is enlightening, the light is already there. And, and like you're saying, to share it with people that, look, the answer to white privilege, black privilege, brown privilege, and any other kind of privilege that exists, because there are different types of privilege in the world, oh, absolutely. if we are just be honest. It's leverage. Oh, it, that's all it is. That's all it okay? is. Okay, and, and people have it in different ways. And, but uh, the answer to all of that, as a child of God, as a believer, is exactly what you said. I've been baptized into Christ. And my identity the very, the very essence of my identity, everything, the full weight of my identity is in my identification with Christ Jesus. And that we tend to have these discussions without discussing the reconciler, right? Without bringing everybody to him and, and letting him be sufficient. See, a lot of times I think, see, this is one of the tricks that happens and especially for us, the church and for those of us who are biblically oriented, who believe that there is the personification of evil in the world known as the devil. Right. right. <laughs> so this is one of the things he does. He presents this this issue in such an emotional vortex that we're in off of the death of George Floyd, uh, off of another police uh, killing in Atlanta off of all of these different things that are going on in the world, from burning cities to looting to rioting to peaceful protest, you just name it, right? And in this emotional vortex, he begins to pressure people, sometimes within the church, to go beyond what is necessary. Jesus, no matter how pressing the crisis seems, he is always the answer. It's as though no matter how many troubles arise, no matter how complex the issues become, no matter how seemingly uh, daunting and heavy the burdens of our times become, they always have the same answer. And that is the beauty. That is the good fight of faith, right? That he's always it. (laughs) Coming to him is always it. Finding our identification in him is always that. And if I need to repent for my sin, I can only come repenting for mine. <laughs> you know, especially when when I hear people make these statements about, I believe, uh, I believe, Brother Giglio was talking to the effect of trying to get across to white people that this white privilege thing is real. That's not your job. You, your family, work out your own salivation with fear and trembling. And I think a lot of these discussions go off the rails when we try to bring this collective uh, repentance to bear. It's kind of like, no, no, it's just you. You can only apologize for you. You can only ask forgiveness for you. You can only search out the matter for you. Everything has to be you. You, your white brothers and sisters have their own Holy Ghost, their own relationship with God or not, that they have to deal with themselves.
1: And so, can I just in- interject real quickly? Yeah, this is this is part of the issue because here here's a there's there was a, a black pastor who who posted something on Instagram in reference to pastor Giglio's issue or you know his misstatement Mm -hmm. and he said so I said white pastors need to speak out but some of them missed that I also said be an informed voice Mm. and so now we've created in the church in particular this idea that again there's there's this collective of, of black pastors preachers who now are I guess the arbiters of of what is acceptable what is informed. What, what could be absolutely what can be said that's actually profitable and that which can be discarded. Mm. And, and the problem with that is ultimately, again, yeah, he, 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 Jesus has already provided the bounds. <laughs> He's already given us the ditches. He's yes. told us to stay right here in the middle. Yeah, it's a narrow path, yes, but you can is. do it. And I've, yes. been, I've given you the Holy Ghost to help you walk it. Okay. So I'm not sitting here in judgment of any of these men. But what I'm saying is that we get into this issue of bringing, bringing the world into the church. Yeah. Because ultimately you're just my, you're my brother. You're my sister. Yeah. It's not about me as a black pastor telling a white pastor to be informed. No, it's not any of that.
0: And if you be overtaken in a fault.
1: Absolutely. Right. And that fault
0: being racism, if racism is a sin, which we believe it is. And we know it is. Mm hmm. But if it is a sin, and it is, it is a sin as all sins are sins. Correct. Right? So if my brother were overtaken in fornication, you, which are spiritual, go and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, Mm -hmm. considering yourself lest you be tempted. So if he's in the sin of racism or he's in the sin of thinking he's privileged, if he's in the sin of saying something that was was, uh, obtuse, uh, off color, missed it, whatever, what what have you, you which are spiritual— It doesn't say you which are spiritual that are black, you which are spiritual that are white, you which are spiritual that are anything, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. And see, this is what we don't do enough of. We're not considering ourselves that. We have our own sets of prejudices and issues in ourselves Absolutely. that we have to deal with. Absolutely. But to get back to the point, we should be in the business of restoration, not in the business of public critique. <laughs> right. And 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 at the, you can critique or humiliation but, or humiliation or to be condescending to someone. But speak, pull aside that person, especially if you are pastors of large platforms, pastors of large uh, influence and note and notoriety whereby you have the means to get in contact with other preachers of your same status or lesser, where you have the means by which to reach out to someone and someone would gladly take your call. If you are in that position and you are spiritual, (laughs) because it doesn't mean you're spiritual just because you're in that position, but if you are spiritual, reach out and restore people And and that's the thing that we're not doing. And we're we've well, once again, like I said, we've we've stepped beyond what is really the answer, which is following the biblical kingdom way of doing this, because we've got sucked up into the diabolical vortex of emotion Mm. that has sucked us all in and we're emoting and we're not praying are thinking or, or following scripture to, to deal with the situations that we have presented to us because there is a way to speak to these things. And, and I understand it. I understand the emotions. I understand everybody's raw. Everybody's feeling a whole lot of stuff, <laughs> but at the end of the day, emotions do not lead. I, anger, fear, uh, false apologies given or received. For things you're not guilty of, none of these things unify. Mm. They won't bring together because they have to be there has to be truth as the foundation before we can build anything like unity on top of it. And so we have to get back back to in the church a biblical framework for how to deal with this. And recognizing once again, in this nation, if we're gonna talk about racism, systemic racism, if we're gonna talk about any number of these things drawn along racial lines, will they be implicit bias and all of these different things? It's, it's kind of like this this spectrum. This happens a lot with a lot of different things. It's kind of like autism. It's no longer a diagnosis. Now it's a spectrum. Hmm. Like you can land on it. Right. And, and when government gets involved in politics, stuff gets politicized. Politicians like expanding spectrums and, and expanding definitions of things because it allows them more room to get involved. And since race now has become a political tool, now we have this increase of this racial spectrum. You've got all this stuff on it now. And so in any type of discussion about all of these things for the church, we have to always reduce those things down to very simple. What does the word of God say about it? How should I go about addressing it in my brother or sister if it is present? How should my brother or sister go about dealing with it in their own lives? And they should deal with it like they deal with any other sin. Right. It's repentance. It's forgiveness. And that's the way we move forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I you know, I just I, again, during these times we, we have to the church has to raise the standard and the standard sometimes is uncomfortable for people. And the standard sometimes can't be empathetic in a lot of ways. Sometimes the standard just has to be the standard mm-hmm. and say, look, I love everybody, but, but this is not right. And here's why. No. And this is what we can do to correct, this is what we can do to reform, this is what we can do um, to get on a road and a, on a path of unity. Because ultimately for us as a country, this is all about disunity. This has nothing to do with anything more than, than causing a myriad of schisms Absolutely. that keep everybody so emotionally tired, so emotionally frazzled, that people don't know who the enemy is. I mean, when you get tired and, and you're just put out, everybody's a problem, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, True. everything is just, it's a blanket like, y'all are bothering me. Everything's <laughs> a bother. Everybody's a problem. Yeah. And so we have to be, we, we have to be clear enough. And and we have to get out, just as you said, get out of emotions, start looking at things critically. From a okay, what exactly again is the long game of all of this? Hmm. Stop being so consumed about the things that are right in front of your nose and think about what the the implications of what we're setting up, whether it's getting rid of Gator Chomps, taking Miss Butter Buttersworth off the off the shelves, or telling Aunt Jemima she's retired. What are we doing? Hmm. Because these things, to me, are indicative of a of a of a country that is it, that is growing less and less free. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're becoming less and less free. And if people are able to sit there and say that a, a Gator Chomp <laughs> is racist, that Eskimo pies are racist, come on, then. They're coming for your pulpits too. Oh. And they're gonna start no telling you doubt. what's what's completely just oh my gosh, you can't say that. I mean, you wanna you wanna actually stand against abortion? No. Mm. You're you're that's prejudice. Yeah. You wanna oh, you wanna say something about LGBTQ? Oh my goodness. That yeah. is just discriminatory. That's bigotry. So so while we're sitting here having these petty little spats Over with each other, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> over stuff that over stuff that is completely it seems it seems inconsequential, really. Yeah. Right. And that's why we feel like, oh well, that's fine. You can take Miss Butterworth. I- I'm good with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's inconsequential to us. Yeah. But eventually, it's a slow and steady creep to yes, something that actually matters. Yes, it is. To topics that actually matter. To policies that actually matter. And so we we're going to have to, like I said, have some sobriety, people. Seriously, have some real sobriety and get out of our feelings because I think some of this is just people living off of whatever they've experienced and I'm not belittling people's experience. But what I am saying is that the fact of the matter is tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be the same color. Yeah, I'm going to be black. Yeah. And so I'm going to have to go into the world and I'm going to have to live. And so for each and every one of us, it's how then shall we live? Am I going to live with a chip on my shoulder? Or am I going to live free? And the, and these are the choices that each each and every one of us has to make on a daily basis. But but it is our choice to make. It's no one's pushing us. No one's pushing us to be to to be disunited or to 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 be uh, at at odds with each other. This is this is our choice. Yeah, we're choosing to do this.
0: Nobody can make us. That's for certain. We, we, you're you're exactly right. We're making the choice ourselves. I couldn't have put it any better. Well, listen, everybody, that is the end of this particular podcast of Culture Convictions. We are so, once again, thankful for you tuning in. Please like and share these podcasts with those whom you believe would be interested in this type of conversation. We are dealing with some very, very touchy subjects, some very, very uh, interesting and important conversations we're having now because these things need to be talked about and we're not done. Because the one thing that I, you know, it's one thing about this generation, we have all this social media and stuff everywhere. And one of the things that always makes me get tickled is I try to, I see people try to hash out a racial issue in 150 characters or less. (laughs) And it's like, uh, good luck with that. Hashtag
1: solved it.
0: (laughs) Good luck with that. No, we need long, lengthy conversation. We need to cover all sides. We need to understand what we're actually talking about And so we're so glad that you joined us. Please, like I said, follow us. We're on SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on uh, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, Culture and Convictions, also on YouTube at Culture and Convictions TV. We're just getting started here, and we hope to bring conversations that inspire, enlighten, encourage, and inform. And so until next time, God bless.